Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. What a great time of praise and worship. I feel better already, don't you? How many of you know you can come to church one way and leave another way? And you can come to church one way and leave another way sometimes. Depends on what church you're in. I want you to read the Word of God with me. We're in Hebrews chapter 4 today. So good to see you. Uh, This is uh, the fifth installment of Courageous Faith. I want to tell you something. The world we live in today, you need faith. And you need it right now. We have been through a pandemic. It's still uh, going on, not only in our country, but around the world. We see protests. We see killings. We see injustices. We see all kinds of things that we're involved with. If you're an American... If you're a part of this uh, culture, this civilization, how many of you know it affects you somehow, some way? And we're going to face in faith, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 2, for unto us, everybody say us. We got any us's in the room? Unto us, the gospel was preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you brought us here together to hear your word. We are here to glorify you and receive of you. Now let every heart and every mind be receptive to what you're going to do. We ask it, we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Most of you know who Larry King is. For about 20 years, he had uh, Larry King Live. And on the 20-year anniversary of his program, in which he interviewed the world, uh, Barbara Walters interviewed him. So picture in your mind Barbara Walters interviewing Larry King, the interviewer. And she asked him some very direct and revealing questions. And one of the things she asked Larry King was, what is your greatest fear. And he immediately responded. He said, my greatest fear is death. My greatest fear is death. And she asked him another very poignant question. Do you believe in God? And his answer was, "Um, I'm not sure. I'm an agnostic. I'm not for sure if God even exists. Well, let me tell you, your life will go a lot better if you're sure that God exists. You have a faith, you you have something to anchor your life in, and you and I both know that we didn't get here by happenstance or circumstance. There is a designer, there is an organization and an organized world that we live in, and that is by Almighty God. And by His hand and by His word, everything that we know that exists, exists by Him and for Him, according to the word of God. Now, you may be here today, you may not be a Christ follower, you may not be a believer, you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, that's fine. Uh, Believing it uh, does help. Believing it doesn't make it not true. So we're we're believers and not doubters, right? Do you know in your Bible, the word fear appears over 400 times? It's a human emotion. And everybody here has had some fear at one time or another, maybe a fear about your health or your job or your circumstance or a family member, a husband, a wife, a child. We've all faced fear. It's a very human thing. But do you know also in your Bible that faith is mentioned over 500 times in your Bible? So why is faith mentioned more than fear? Because we need more faith than fear, right? 
And so how do you combat the fear? You overcome it with faith because they don't really coexist well, right? So if I'm facing fear, I need to bump up my faith because faith is very, very important. Now, the question here in in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 2 is what is happening and what do we learn from it? Well, the first thing we have to realize that he's talking about that group in the wilderness. So he's speaking about they left the land of Egypt. We, we've been talking about this for five weeks. Anybody got anything out of this in five weeks? So we really felt like this was the, the plan of God and the, the movement of God for us to address these issues. And, and how many of you know it's been very timely in the circumstances and the culture we're living in right now today? So they've left Egypt. They've been there for about 400 years. God is bringing them to the promised land. But there was an entire generation for 40 years that didn't enter in. And we know why, because the writer of Hebrews takes us all the way back to that account, and he begins to rehearse it again. And he says, they heard the word of God, just like we heard the word of God. Now, they did not profit through the word of God. Now, notice this last line, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the question is not, does God's word work? I believe God's word works. I think you believe God's word works. But there are some mixing with the word that's very important here. So are we mixing with the word the right things? Now go back to verse 2 again, Hebrews 4. For the gospel or the word of God was preached to them as well as, as, as to us. It didn't profit them because they did not mix faith. Everybody say faith faith with it. Now, verse 19 of that chapter says, they did not enter the promised land because of their unbelief. So unbelief is the lack of faith. So we don't want to live in unbelief. Now notice here, there's a mixing, a mixing of the word with faith. So I'm going to talk about just a little bit this morning about the recipe here. How many of you know, if you leave an ingredient out of the recipe, it doesn't work just right. I've always liked listening to Zig Ziglar, and he had a term. It's kind of a Southern term. Uh, Most of you know, if you're mixing a recipe, if you leave something out, it doesn't work right. If you're making biscuits, if you leave out the baking powder, which is baking soda mixed with acid that goes in and and kind of eats up the inside with, with the biscuit mix, and it makes the biscuits rise. But if you don't cook it right, if you don't have the right ingredients, you bake it in the squat. Now, what does that mean? It it means they don't rise, so you make hockey pucks is what you make. So you have these little round, flat things like hockey pucks because you didn't cook it right. You you didn't mix the right things with it. And so if you don't mix the right things with it, you don't get the desired outcome, right? Uh, I've told this story many times. Many of you have heard it. When we were doing Thanksgiving dinners for the church many years ago, we were down in the other location and we started having an all-church Thanksgiving dinner. And we would have it in the fellowship hall. Well, the church continued to grow. Well, we couldn't get everybody in that fellowship hall. So then we used the school. And eventually we outgrew the school, and we, we, we couldn't have it at the school anymore. So this is how it worked. The, the church would cook the ham and the turkeys and the dressing and some of the main things. And everybody else would bring the other stuff, and, and we would have an all-church a Thanksgiving dinner. And there would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that would come. It was a great time. And one of the things I remember was dessert. Does anybody here like dessert? The rest of you are lying. But anyway, we're going to go on with the message. 
And I like dessert. So people would bring their desserts in, and, and those desserts would uh, be put on tables. I remember the, the cafeteria in that, that high school uh, wall would be lined with the long tables, and people would come and they'd put their desserts on it. So Carrie, she made her dessert. Now, we'd been to a tea room several times before this, and we, we really liked this uh, berry uh, pie dessert that they made. And so Carrie that year was deciding that at the Thanksgiving dinner, she was going to make this berry pie that we really loved. And so she made it. She, she went to the Thanksgiving dinner. She put her dessert out on the table with everybody else. And so Aaron, my, my son, he, he was about this big. So being true to his mother, he decided he would go over to the dessert tables and he would get a piece of Carrie's berry pie. So he came back and he sat down at our table and he took a bite, and you could tell by his facial expression that something was going on. And he kind of made that kind of wrinkled up look in his face. And Carrie said, son, everything okay? He said, no, mom, this is okay. And he took another bite, and you could tell it wasn't okay. She said, here, let me have a bite of that. So she took her fork over to that pie, and, and she took a bite of it, and she said, Aaron, don't eat that. <laughs> well, what had happened is she left the sugar out. Now, I don't know if you've ever eaten some very tart berries or fruit without sugar. It'll get you right, right there. It'll make you kind of pucker up. And she said, Aaron, don't eat that. I, I, I must have left the sugar out. Now, Aaron was so positive. He said, Mama, I want to tell you something. That's the best sour berry pie I've ever eaten. <laughs> she left something out. When you leave something out of the recipe, it just doesn't work right. Now, they had the word. Now listen, they had the word, but they didn't mix what with it? Faith. So the word has to be mixed with faith. Nothing wrong with the word, but the word has to be mixed with something. And there's two things, faith and hope. Hebrews chapter 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or unseen. So the recipe for your miracle, the recipe for your growth, the recipe for achieving and receiving what we need is what? It's the recipe of the Word mixed with faith, mixed with hope. You see, faith kind of lies dormant if you're not hoping for anything. So faith is a substance of things what? Hope for. If you're not hoping for anything, you don't need much faith, do you? But if you're hoping for something, if you're looking for something, if you're expecting something, if you're desiring something, then what gets that thing you're hoping for to you? What brings it to you? You see, we have to be hoping for something, and we're wanting to see something happen in our life. Can I hear an amen? See, the Word gives me insight that this something is possible. With God, all things are possible. This is not just a good book or the good book. How many of you know this is God's book? This is the Word of God. So God's Word gives me insight that things are possible in my life. So if it's possible in my life, then I'm going to start hoping for it. But what bridges the Word and the hope, and the Bible says it's faith. 
So faith is the tie between what the Word says I can have and the thing I'm hoping for. Am I making any sense at all? Uh, Let me say this. Hope wants it to become reality. We want to see the thing that we're not seeing become something we can see, which is reality. But faith reaches out from the promise of the Word and gets a hold of what I'm hoping for and begins to bring it into my being and bring it into the realm where I can embrace it. Let me tell you something. It's kind of like fishing. Anybody like fishing here? Anybody caught any fish? It was that big. You see, when you go fishing, listen up. You believe there's something in the water that you cannot see. So you, you, you take your pole, you, you, you get the bait, the plug, the lure, and you throw it out and it sinks out of your sight, but you're believing there's something there that you cannot see. But the line between you and the bait and the line between you and the lure is the connecting point, And hopefully... You can take what you cannot see and bring it out of that dimension into the dimension that you're standing in on the bank or in the boat or in the tube or wherever you're at. So we need something that connects in a dimension that we cannot see that brings it into the reality of what we can embrace and we can see. Now, if you're not hoping for anything today, you don't need the line between the two. But if you're hoping for something, you need to take what the Word says is possible to what you're hoping for and mix it with faith to get the right recipe to bring it all together. And that's what we're trying to do. So He's giving us the ingredients to receive things that obviously we can't do ourselves. So we, we don't see it, but we know it's possible. And faith reaches out and grabs hold of what we're hoping for and brings it into our dimension, into our reality. That's so true about you and your marriage and your job and your finances and what we're doing evangelistically. It, it, it's something that's so very important. You see in the Bible, th- there's di- different levels of faith. Jesus mentions little faith and he mentions great faith. There are two times he mentions great faith in your Bible. Both of them are not Jewish believers. Both of the times he says great faith, they're Gentile believers. Here's the first one. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter number 8, and it's a centurion. I want to read it to you, beginning at verse number 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, say that with me, such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So so look at this. This is a, a Gentile centurion, a Roman centurion, 
And he's heard about Jesus, who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So he believed in the Word that it's possible for his servant to get healed. He puts action to it. He goes to Jesus and he says, I know how this works. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but all you have to do is speak the word. Listen to this. I'm hoping my servant gets better. I believe in who you are, and I'm bridging that with faith, getting the right recipe. And when he goes home, he asks, when did the servant get better? And he said, about the same time you were there with that rabbi. How many of you know, if you have faith and you believe the word, and what you're hoping for with faith will come about, we have to mix the right recipe together. Here, here's another one. The next one is found in Matthew chapter 15. This is a woman pleading for her daughter. Now on the upper coast of Israel, when you go up to the very north, there's a region called Tyre and Sidon. Now this is a very uh, pagan area. This is where the Canaanites, and, and they worship Baal and false gods. And this is a woman from this culture. Look at verse number 22. Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a devil, a demon. But he did not answer her word, and the disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she came and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. How many of you would have been offended and left right then? Now, this, this is the Jewish mindset to the Gentiles, and especially to this group in the northern part of Israel. See, the, the Jews believed that they kept the purity of their blood. They, they, they kept the purity of, of the race and, and who they were. But that northern area, they had intermingled, intermarried, and they looked at them like dogs. That's horrible. Horrible. You, you know, he's saying, well, you're, you're the Heinz 57 breed. You're just an amalgamation of everybody. But that was the Jewish mindset then. But notice the reaction of this woman. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith be it done to you as you desire and her daughter was healed instantly what happened there again she believed in who he was he's the word he's the living word now i want to give you a little indication she said have mercy upon me O son of david that is a messianic term she believed that he was more than a rabbi more than a jew more than a teacher I believe she's thinking that he is the Messiah. He's the Holy One. He's the Word of God. So she comes to him. What's she hoping for? She's hoping that her daughter gets better. But in that faith with action, she sees the recipe that her daughter now is what? Instantly healed. How many of you believe in the supernatural? I do. I was listening to a preacher the other day. And I was listening to the radio. Radio preacher. Television preacher. I've been a radio preacher and a television preacher. But this is what I know. Not everybody believes that miracles don't happen anymore. I'm a still firm believer that God is a supernatural God. And you need to believe that. 
Well, pastor, I've been taught against that. The Word of God, you know. No, listen. The Word of God is a supernatural book. And God is a supernatural God. Just because I don't see it or you may not see it doesn't mean that God's not doing it. Can I hear an amen? I'm a believer. And here she believed that her daughter could get better. Her hope, she comes to the Word of God made flesh. She has faith it's going to happen. She doesn't give up. And instantly, this daughter is made whole. So both people, the centurion, this mother, this Gentile mother, they moved to action And it wasn't something they just thought about. It wasn't some philosophical assent they had. They actually believed and they moved that direction. That's what we got to do. I mean, we we can't just come to church and sing kumbaya, hold our hands and leave and life goes on. No, listen, we need to be believers. And to be a believer, you got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, here's something we need to discuss. Listen very closely. Some people get confused about faith because they're, they're listening to Paul, and we should listen to Paul, where he says, we're saved by grace through faith. Say that with me. We're saved by grace through faith. How many of you believe that's 100% accurate? You can't be good enough, can't do enough works, can't be educated enough, don't have enough money. I don't care what your pedigree is, what your ethnicity is, what the color of your skin is. Let me tell you, you're saved by grace through faith. We, we believe that. But then we come to James, and then James takes a little bit different perspective on faith. This is chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 through verse 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So, can you be saved without works? Well, without your works. But we are saved by works, but it's the work of Jesus. How many of you understand what I just said? I don't want you to leave today and say, Pastor said we're saved by works. Well, just add the rest of it. It's by the work of Jesus. He went to the cross. He endured the shame. They crucified Him. They beat Him. His blood was dripping, and he gave himself as a sacrifice for us, the once and forever sacrifice for sin, that we might be saved. And you can be saved, and I can be saved, as we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But I believe in the one who gave it. I believe in the one who was crucified. He did the work. I just receive it by faith. And that grace that he has brings me into the fellowship of the family of God. And I have heaven as my home, and I have become the righteousness of God. Isn't that good news? But I cannot produce any of that on my own. But once I'm saved, then I can begin to produce good works out of my salvation experience. It's been described this way. Paul's talking about the root of our faith. And James is talking about the fruit of our faith. That once you're saved, and you're really saved, 
It's not just some kind of churchy thing. I walked the aisle, shook the preacher's hand, and went out and lived the way I was living before. No true repentance. No, no changed life. No, no new birth. No born-again experience. Then, how many of you know that, that's a religion? We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ here. So once I'm saved, then my life is transformed. I'm a new person. And now I begin to do things and live life differently. And I have works that come out of that experience. That's the fruit of my salvation. And Paul talks about the root of my salvation. So we are saved by grace through faith. But James says, but if you say you have faith, but don't have any works, this is, this is a dead thing. I mean, there's nothing to that. So faith has to be put into action to show itself. Uh, think about this. The woman who had the issue of blood. The woman who had the issue of blood. So here she is. She spent all of her money on medicine, on doctors. She's none the better. And she hears about the Messiah, Jesus, all the works he's done, the, the miracles he's done. And so this woman says, I believe if I could touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. So she, she's going to the object of her faith, which is the Word, right? He is the Word made flesh. Her hope is she's going to get better, but she has to bridge that. She has to get all the, the recipe together. So when Jesus is going down through this city, and he's being thronged, she gets in the middle of the throng, she gets down on her hands and knees, and crawls where he is, and reaches up and touches just the hem of his garment. Now, we believe there's reasons why she did that. Do you know what she is doing is really unlawful? Because if you have that kind of condition, you're supposed to sequester yourself and have social distancing. <laughs> she didn't social distance. She didn't sequester herself. She didn't even have a mask on. Not knocking it, just telling the story. And she crawls through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? And the disciples were saying, What? People are thronging you from every corner. They're, they're reaching out. They're, 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 they're touching you. They're touching your robe. They're trying to get close to you. They're joshing you around. But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. For I felt virtue go out of my body. Picture in your mind, here the little woman is. She's on the ground looking up at Jesus. Jesus looks down and he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. She, she put action to it. See, faith without works or faith without action, according to James, is dead. We, we, we can give lip service to it. We can, we can do some, 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 some chin chiming here. Uh, but if we don't have anything to show for it, it's kind of a dead faith. Jesus could say this, I am the resurrection, I'm the life. But if there's no works to it, it's just talk. So, but when he says, I'm the res resurrection and the life, you know what he can do? He can say, there's Lazarus. Let me point to you the works of the resurrection and the life. Or Mary at that first marriage miracle at Canaan. Well, we've heard that your son may be the Messiah. We, we've heard that uh, your, your son could do wonders and miracles. I mean, we've heard this. We hadn't seen it. It hadn't been a public thing. 
Is it really true, Mary? Mary could say, go, go drink the wine. I don't know if you know this. It used to be water, but guess who? Hey, yeah, he, he, turned it, he turned it water into wine. There's the work. It, we could say, well, you know, I've heard he's a healer. I, I've heard he could open blind eyes. And Jesus could say, yeah, there, there's a blind man right there. Go, go talk to him. If we went and talked to the blind man, you, you know what he would say? We have it re- recorded here. I don't know really about who he is or all what he's done, but this is one thing I know. Once I was blind, but now I see. There is the works of the profession and the faith. So you and I, we have to be in that mode. We have to realize that faith really will back itself up. How? By works. So today, we believe in faith. We want to walk in faith, but we realize that faith and works have to be meshed together. Now, as we close today, I want to give you three areas that you can put action to your faith. So th- this is not just something we're listening to. This is something we're going to do, right? Now, I'm going to promise you in the world that you live in today, if you will do what the Word says, your life will be better. Anybody agree with that? If you will do what the Word says, your life will be better. But you can be like that group in the wilderness, Hebrews 4.2, you can hear the Word, but not mix faith with it, and it does you no good. You know the Bible says that the devils believe and tremble? So when someone says, well, I believe in God, well, good, you're about in the same level as the devil. But you've got to do something with what you believe. This is more than just lip service. How many of you know this is lifestyle? Let me tell you why I know it. Because we've been going through this entire series of faith, and this is what we found in chapter 10. The just shall live by faith. This is not a concept. This is not a philosophy. It's what? A lifestyle. Not only does the Bible say the just shall live by faith, the Bible says the just shall what? Walk by faith. So we're walking this out every day. So what are some of the areas that we can put action to our faith to see results? Here's the first one. In your relationships. One of the hardest things you will ever, ever do in life is have good relationships. And I tell you why. It's just those stinking people you're around. Isn't that true? It's almost like a love-hate relationship sometimes. With marriage and friends and people around you. You see, one of the most difficult things you can do in life is have a great marriage. But you have to believe you can. It's possible. That's the hope. Because the Word says it's possible. But then you have to mix your faith with what you're hoping for to bring it into reality. And you have to be proactive. It doesn't just happen. When I hear people say, we have such a wonderful relationship, we never argue, we never have a trouble, what planet are you from? You know what I want to say, first of all, you hadn't been married long enough. Y'all are so holy. Just hang on. It's a coming, baby. Move on, preacher. So what we have to believe it's possible. We have to do things. We have to act proactively to make that happen. Friendships is the same way. 
I found out that sometimes you look at friendships and they're one-sided. You're doing the calling. You're doing the texting. You're doing the, the, the try to do the relationship and you don't get much on the other side. Well, sometimes you have to realize that they, they don't respond like you respond. But I'll guarantee you with every friendship, there has to be a proactive faith in it. You have to believe it's possible. You have to hope that you're going to have a good friendship and you have to do something with that faith of that friendship. What about family? With your kids? With extended family? I said this two weeks ago. I, I, I've been social distancing from people for a long time. Before the pandemic. How, how many of you? Uh, okay. How many of you know somebody you've been trying to stay six feet away from for years? Absolutely. Why? Because relationships are tough. Sometimes it's one-sided. So we have to have faith. What about being kingdom-minded and evangelistic? Do you realize if I'm a believer, then I have to be kingdom-minded with all my relationships? Are you inviting people to church? Are you praying with them? Are you encouraging them? I mean, how are you reacting to people around you in relationships? So if I believe this is true, and the Word of God says it is, then I have to mix my faith with my hope that through my life I can impact somebody else's life. And many of you are doing that through teaching, through preaching, through friendships, through relationships, through the media, through social media. You're impacting people's lives because you believe you can. And you're putting action to that. Here's the second area. What about through your finances? Are you being responsible with your money? Am I being responsible with my money? And sometimes we are irresponsible with that. But I have to believe that I can. That's what the Word of God says. I'm hoping that I can, but I have to mix faith with that. i got to get the recipe together. Does that make sense? And what about kingdom-minded resources? Am I generous? Am I giving? Am I using my money for the kingdom of God? And really, that's the only thing that will last eternally. Because the only thing you can do eternally is lay up riches in heaven. Can I brag on you just a little bit? How many of you would be okay if I bragged on you? You wouldn't get the big head on me. Through this pandemic, for almost three months, we did not have one church service. Not one. We were trying to still put out content. Matt, Tanner, me, Dr. Jeff, different ones. Uh, we're, we're still teaching. We're still preaching. Do you know how difficult it is to preach to a, a congregation that's not there? Do you know how difficult it is to stand in front of the camera and there's nobody sitting in these pews and these seats? When, when usually there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in front of you and there's nobody there. And you got to act like. And you look around the room and it's going, chirp, 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 chirp. Kind of like some Sunday mornings when you are here. <laughs> I mean, there's no feedback, there's no amens, there's no laughter, there, there, there's no celebration. It's difficult. But in that three month period when we had not one church service, and especially in April, where Easter usually falls. And nearly in every church, Easter is the largest service that anybody's going to have. And we have, you know, just so many people here on Easter, you know, multiple services. But during the month of April, the difference between last April and this April, when we did not have one service, 
the financial contribution, there was only $2,000 difference. Give yourself a hand clap. You know what that means to me? You, you took your financial responsibility to the kingdom of God seriously. You believed it mattered. I believed it mattered. Why? Because it matters. And so people gave online. They, they mailed their checks in. They sent their money. Uh, they, they dropped it by. What are we doing? We're believing by faith that we're going to continue to be evangelistic. We're going to reach our community. We're going to reach our world. We're going to reach them locally. We're going to reach them physically. We're going to reach them through technology online. Why? Because this matters. And I believe that it matters. And I'm hoping that I can be a part of that. But I have to invest and take action in that area of my life. Personally and kingdomly. Here's the third one. In my individual growth. So if I'm a believer, then how am I individually growing? Am I growing in the Word? Am I growing in the Word? Am I, am I studying? Am I reading? Am I listening to the Word being preached and taught? Am I growing in the Word? Let me tell you something. I kind of got on my soapbox in the first service this morning, and I want to get back on it right now. If you're hoping for something, and you have faith, let me tell you how this works. You've got to feed your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. If people aren't interested in the Word of God, they're not going to grow. And they're really not that serious getting what they're hoping for. Because if I'm hoping for something in my company, in my practice, in my business, in my family, in my marriage, with my kids, with my finances, whatever, then listen, I'm going to be here to say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, because this is important. Feed me because I want my faith to grow because there's something out there I'm hoping for and I want to bring it to reality in my life. But if you're not hungry for it, honey, you ain't getting it. And it's hard to feed people who are not hungry. They're hungry for the things of the world, but they're not hungry for the things of God. So if we're looking for something out there that we're hoping for, I'm going to feed my faith because faith is the connector from what God's Word says is possible to what I'm hoping for, and I'm bringing that to reality in my life, but I have to feed my faith, and I feed it the Word of God, and I have to be hungry for the Word. The Bible says, I esteemed it more than my necessary food. I mean, how many people say, well, I, I, I'd rather go to church and eat. No, we'd rather eat after church. But anyway, I'm just saying spiritually, we got to get hungry for the things of God. That's the only way we're going to grow. We're hungry for that. Are you growing in prayer? Are you growing in kindness and generosity? Are you enjoying um, an industrious life, a productive life? Am I growing in my maturity? I mean, Paul had issue with people in the church. He said, there's a time where you should be eating meat. He said, you're still sucking the bottle. He didn't say that. He said, you're still on milk, is what he said. Which means you're sucking the bottle. <laughs> there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than the 25-year-old Christian that's still sucking the bottle. That's just creepy, Pastor. Are you growing in maturity? Are you growing in your prayer life, your kindness? Are you growing in faith? 
Because when disciples asked point blank questions, Jesus gave answers. And there's not a lot of point blank questions, but let me give you a couple. Disciples came to Jesus and they said, What about this prayer thing? Teach us how to pray. And this is where you get the prayer you know. He said, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, don't pray like those Pharisees. Don't pray like those scribes. He said, they pray to be seen. This is how you pray. This is how you pray. And then there was one time they came and they said, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, you know you can have small faith, little faith, great faith. Increase our faith. And this is what the Lord said. Faith is like a seed. Faith is like a seed. Very small. He even used the mustard seed. He said the mustard seed is so small you could barely see it. But if you plant it, it will grow up to be an herb so large that the birds can lodge in its branches. This is what he's saying. Everyone starts out with little faith. You don't jump into this saying, I have great faith. Nobody does that unless they're weird. You grow in faith. And the Bible says that. We start out with seeds of faith. But the seed never works unless you plant it. If I have a seed in my hand, I can go around and say, Jack, look at my seed. Isn't that a great looking seed? That's a great looking seed. You want to see my seed? Matt, look at my seed. That's a great seed. Christopher, you ever seen a seed like that? Man, look at that seed. That seed will always be small. It will never do anything. It will never produce fruit until I do what? I got to plant it. And when I plant it, listen closely, it goes into a realm that I now cannot see. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But when I plant it in a realm I cannot see, I believe that something is happening underground that I cannot see, and one day it's going to burst through the ground, and it's going to grow, and eventually it's going to produce fruit in my life. Isn't this amazing? This is how it works. That we have to have faith, and faith is like a seed. That's what Jesus told His disciples when they wanted him to increase their faith. He didn't say, let me zap you with some faith. <laughs> Goodness gracious, the church has laid so many empty hands on empty heads. And that's the how we thought we got it. Everybody okay? We thought we got it that way. No, you had to take what the Word said and you had to cultivate it, plant it, watch it grow so you could see the fruit of it. Faith is like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. You don't work it, it atrophies. But when you work it, maybe starting out slow, small, and you just begin to see it get smaller and smaller all the time. You got faith, I got faith, different levels of faith, but without faith, 
it's impossible to please God. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.